0: And now, The Travel Show with Arthur and Pauline Fromer. Your chance to talk to the publishers of the nation's best-selling travel guide series. Whether your travel destination is around your corner or any corner of the world, the Fromers will help you get the most out of your travel experience and save you money at the same time. And now, Arthur and Pauline Fromer. And this is The Travel Show, in which we talk about vacations. Welcome, I'm Arthur Fromer. And I'm Pauline Fromer. And in the time ahead, we're going to be discussing travel.
1: And we would love to bring you in on that conversation. If you'd like to be a guest, if you'd like to ask a question, email me at at yahoo.com But we also hope you'll come to us whenever you're planning your next vacation. Buy our guidebooks, visit our website, follow us on social media. If you look for the word Fromer, F-R-O-M-M-E-R-S, on Pinterest, on Twitter, on Facebook, and on uh, Instagram, you'll find Tons of great information that will help you save money and have a better next vacation. Now,
0: Pauline, I would like to start today's program with a major new development in the world of cruising, ocean cruising. That's one of the most important forms of travel that seems to attract more than a million new passengers each year. But generally speaking, those new passengers find that all of the large cruise ships are basically alike in terms of their policies and in their facilities but those similarities come to an end with the latest novelties created by the famous british entrepreneur whose name is sir richard branson having shaken up numerous forms of travel elsewhere he announced a couple of years ago that he was going to enter the cruise business with a ship that he called the scarlet lady he also announced that there would be four ship so that the second one would be called the valiant uh, lady and would you believe that around about a year ago branson gave us a few tiny tiny hints about the ways in which the Scarlet Lady would differ from the standard cruise ship, there were three in number. First, he sta- he pointed out that on his ship, Wi-Fi would be totally free of charge. He also stated that meals taken in the in the ship's various restaurants would all be free of extra charge, and finally, group. Exercise classes, I emphasize the word group classes, would be free of charge every morning. In this way, the Scarlet Lady was brought to our attention as a ship that would be a little different from the other ships. But more recently, more recently, and in fact, just a couple of weeks ago, Branson permitted journalists to go aboard the Scarlet Lady, and to see the various additional ways in which policies and facilities in the, in the uh, Scarlet Lady, which has now become uh, begun uh, uh, sailing, how they would differ uh, from the normal standard ship. That matter of, uh, for example, they they have now pointed out. That Wi-Fi would not only be diff- be available free of charge in your stateroom, but they would also be vi- be totally free of charge aboard the decks of the ship, so that uh, those young cruise passengers who cannot bear to be away from their laptop computers for even <laughs> for even an hour or so, right. when they go out of their stateroom, where they go onto the open deck of a ship. They will find that there's Wi-Fi there that they wow. can they can bring their laptops with them. They can stay in touch uh, with their emails and and with their uh, uh, internet news programs, whatever else they demand to state. But wait a second, that's one uh, of one of the, one of the uh, first of the major fashions in which the Scarlet Lady of Sir Richard Branson will differ markedly from all other standard ships. One of the uh, of the uh, restaurants aboard the scarlet ships will be a vegan Restaurant. Wow. Carefully following the content of the vegan lifestyle, which means that it's never to to offer uh, food that is animal produced. So right. you will not find milk aboard a Fijian restaurant. You will not find uh, butter. Sure. Uh, you will not find uh, any item. Or eggs will not be right. Or fish to, uh, or, or anything or fish. that breathes. Uh, can you imagine? You will go on to the Scarlet F- uh, Lady. Lady. And there you will find a vegan restaurant. There's another restaurant that, although it's not strictly a vegan restaurant in that it does serve milk and it does serve eggs, will be a vegetarian restaurant. And all of this meant to appeal to people who are in their 30s. It is felt that people in their 30s, maybe as late as their 40s or maybe as early as their 20s, love not only vegan restaurants, they like vegetarian restaurants. Now, what else will the new Scarlet Lady, the radically different cruise ship of Sir Richard Branson, what else will it do? First of all, it will... It will operate only for adult passengers. Children will not be permitted aboard the Scarlet huh. Lady. And in fact, the minimum age for coming aboard will be 18. Wow. Your two you, two children, Pauline, have well, just... have just.
1: No, my w- younger one w- won't be able to come. 70, She's 17. She will not be
0: able to come to, on Sir Richard Francis. Secondly, the itineraries of the Scarlet Lady will be from the port of Miami, Florida And the itineraries will be four nights and five nights in length and only that long. It, huh. app- it apparently appears, according to Branson, that only older people want to stay aboard a cruise ship for as many as seven seven nights, at least for its first year. Aboard the so-called Scarlet Lady, all cruises again will be either four or five nights in length. Leaving from Miami, Florida, the hmm. the Valiant Lady, which is the second ship to come in about a, a year from now, right. will go on seven night cruises from Barcelona, unless the four night and five night pattern proves to be so so Successful. popular yeah. that Branson will change his plans and 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 uh, propose only to operate for four nights and five nights uh, in 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 length. And to make the sure that the atmosphere aboard the ship will be totally youthful in in uh, in flavor he has arranged the daily activities in such a way that there are constant parties. There will be <laughs> parties all throughout the day. There will be parties, obviously, in the evening. And to officiate at those parties, he will have a larger than normal staff uh, of DJs. Well, wow. There will be DJs to the, to, to found everywhere you look on the Scarlet Lady. And these DJs will be, uh, will be equipped with music that they play so that the uh, people attending the party. Can, can, uh, can trip the light sure. fantastic as as it is just said, Pauline. There will be a tattoo. Parlor aboard right. the Scarlet. Let's hope
1: there's not Lady. rocky waves because oh my goodness, can you imagine?
0: But, 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 it will enable people to decorate their skin, and that certainly is know, something crazy. you would never find aboard a, no, a normal uh, cruise, cruise ship. ship. You will never find a, a, a dress code aboard the Scarlet Lady. Hmm. People can wear whatever they want, and nobody aboard these, the Scarlet Lady is accepted to is expected rather to detect themselves out in a tuxedo or in an evening gown. People will wear what they want. There won't be set dining hours aboard the Scarlet Ladies. Cru- cru- cruisers will eat when and where they went and to uh, cater to them and uh, hold on to your hats. The Scarlet Lady will have no fewer than twenty restaurants, wow. and the passengers aboard that ship will be able to eat at any of these twenty restaurants free of charge, and to experience every sort of national cuisine. <laughs> and let me let me state that 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 doesn't end the the uh, uh, innovations, features, and the devices of which the Scarlet Lady will be unique. There's more on every uh, balcony uh-huh. attached to a stateroom, Pauline. There will be a hammock. Oh,
1: that's nice! A, a
0: hammock permitting young cruisers to jump into the hammock and to enjoy a nap or or snooze, uh, recovering Very from the cool. from the end from of all parties the parties <laughs> <laughs> attached. There will be ha- hammocks spotted everywhere else throughout the ship, so that young passengers can take a restful nap after they have been up late at night attending a party. And finally, there will be multiple swimming pools, not just one, but many spotted all throughout the ship for, for uh, a new type of passenger wanting to jump into the pool, and especially for uh, the obvious uh, effect of all of these changes is to appeal to a type of young traveler, someone in their 20s, 30s, or 40s, who has hitherto not uh, signed up for a regular uh, a cruise ship in the same numbers as older people do. And, and so, as I said in the opening com- comments This is a new type of cruise ship appealing to a new kind of cruiser who doesn't ordinarily take a cruise, and Pauline, I'm willing to bet that this is going to be immensely popular.
1: Well, it's going to be interesting to see if some of these innovations start popping up on other ships, especially the tattoo parlor. I could see that
0: on a carnival cruise or on a Norwegian cruise lines. I don't know. But you're afraid that the motions of the ship will that's, cause that's, the tattoo that, to be misapplied. That m- does worry misapplied. Me. Yeah, yeah.
1: You may want to say, I love mom, and you come up with, I love mop. Or something. I don't know. (laughs) Anyway, I'm looking at the clock. We have to take our first break this hour. But don't turn that dial. There'll be more of the travel show in just a few moments. Welcome back to the Travel Show. I'm Pauline Fromer here with my dad, Arthur Fromer. And in studio with us, we have Nick Gray. Nick is the founder of Museum Hack. Uh, Nick, tell our listeners first what Museum Hack does
2: Museum Hack does Renegade Museum Tours. These are live 2-hour adventures at some of the biggest best museums in America, led by stand-up comedians, Broadway actors, things like so that. So th- they're
1: museum visits for people who think that don't like museums. Is that fair to say?
2: Really, that's what our goal is. A lot of your listeners probably love museums, mm-hmm. but there's tons of people out there who don't think that museums are a place for them. Right. So we try to give them the juicy gossip and the fun backstories.
1: Yeah. But You did a good deed the other day. You talked to the New York Times, and you gave them a a list of things that people can do to get the most out of a visit to the museum, even if they don't book your tours. That was very kind of you.
2: Well, thank you very much. I'm happy to share that.
1: (laughs) So what is one of the first things someone should do when they're going to a new museum?
2: Well, it probably sounds obvious, but the first thing I recommend is you got to get a map. Okay, You need to get the map so that you can understand the floor space and the area that you're working for. Have you ever done this? You go to a museum, and you find something so cool as soon as you walk in that you spend all of your time there. And then by the time it's time to go, you realize all the great highlights that you missed. Right. Um, And and sometimes I think if you don't have a map, I I call it Vatican
1: syndrome. If you've ever been to the Vatican, there are all of these arrows that say, to the Sistine Chapel, to the Sistine Chapel. So everybody is so worried about getting to the Sistine Chapel that they don't notice all the other great art around them.
2: Absolutely. So the first step of my plan is to get a map and then to walk the entire floor plan. Now, this is what's controversial. Yes.
1: I thought this was a little wacky, but go ahead.
2: What I tell people is walk the whole floor plan. So the
1: entire museum, walk through the entire museum.
2: Walk through the entire museum. Okay, this is hard to- Quickly, right? Very quickly. Yeah. It's hard to do in a major place, like the Louvre, like the Metropolitan, but for most museums, it works well. It'll take you 10 to 30 minutes, Uh and what I say is, walk the whole floor plan, and don't stop at looking at anything. Continue walking, and then, what you're doing is, you're just understanding the things that are there in the space, and then go to the cafe.
1: (laughs) So, you're... but. That's not all you're going to do in the museum is 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 quickly glance at everything and then drink and eat.
2: You're right. You're going to okay. go to the museum to recharge your batteries. You're going to go
1: to the cafe to recharge your batteries.
2: Yes, you're going to right. go to the cafe to recharge your batteries. Sit down, have a cup of coffee, have a cup of tea, have a glass of wine if you want. Sure. But look at that map and now come up with your strategy huh. of how you want to go back and experience the space. You know, museums are intense processes. You know this. You're thinking and you're in your head. So I really suggest part number two is rest and recharge. Don't be afraid to sit down and collect your thoughts and really give yourself time to be fully present. So that's why I always go to the cafe. And I love to get a cup of coffee or tea there and come up with my strategy.
1: Now, I think a lot of people who go to museums and for anybody who's tuning in late, we are talking with Nick Gray, who is the founder of Museum Hack. A lot of people go to museums with a sense of obligation, like they feel that they have to see these five works because those are the most famous in the museum. Absolutely. Is that a good way to do it or a bad way?
2: You know, many people, if they only have one opportunity to visit a museum if they're traveling, Mm -hmm. they can feel that sense of obligation. My suggestion is don't overdo it. You Mm -hmm. can always come back. Right. The way that I suggest people go is to limit your time. If you live in a town, and most of your listeners probably live in a town with a great museum, don't feel like you have to get everything in one visit. Try to go and leave on a high note. Leave when you're still feeling great. And here's why that's important. So you'll want to come back, right? The okay. Mu- yep.
1: So, so wait. So we've uh, before we go on to that, we've left our our museum goer caffeinated in the cafe. They've they've drunk, they've eaten, they've relaxed, they've studied their map.
2: Now what? Now it's time to go back. Go back and see the things that caught your eye, that looked interesting, and those that you want to look at and explore more. Many times museums will offer a downloadable piece of software on your phone mm. uh-huh. where you. You can have an audio tour. You can read online to find more stories about the works. So I suggest use the resources available to you. Museums have incredible staffs that write a lot and share a lot of details about these works of art. Right. Go back to those pieces that spiked your curiosity, and be ready to explore and see where your visit will take you.
1: Now, what about things that cost money to give you backgrounds on those works of art? Are those usually worth getting? Well, I mean, as are you, you know, talking about free apps.
2: I'm talking about both. If a museum offers a tour, then Uh I'm happy to go on the tour. If somebody offers a guidebook, I'm happy to pay for the guidebook. Sure, Because I know that they're the expert. But this isn't just for people to spend money on. If that's not available to you, know that many museums have tons of free resources available. The one piece of advice, though, that I want to give that's important is to think about the day of the week that you go to a museum. Mm. Because for me, I like to avoid the crowds. Yeah. Who doesn't? Who doesn't, right? Right. And probably the worst time to ever go to a museum in New York City is on a (laughs) Sunday afternoon when it's raining. Mm. Because everybody else in New York had the same idea. Right, right. So my favorite thing is to look up when the museum's opening hours are. Many museums increasingly have late night hours that they're doing as an attempt to reach new audiences. Yes,
1: absolutely. It's
2: a magical experience to go to a museum at night, as you probably know.
1: Yeah, definitely. You also say that maybe some... Advanced planning. That museums can be tough on the feet, so you should dress appropriately for a museum. What's what's appropriate? A tuxedo? Uh,
2: no, not a tuxedo. <laughs> we want to be comfortable right. there, Pauline. I love to wear comfortable shoes, yeah. and first and foremost, I'm thinking about comfort over fashion. And for me, standing on my feet for so long, I'm always wearing comfortable shoes. Look, this might sound silly, but I also hydrate and I drink a lot of water. Mm -hmm. I also bring, and this might be illegal, but I bring some (laughs) little sugary snacks, like pieces of candy that I can have in my pocket just to suck on or or just to do something to keep that blood glucose and sugar going. Right. So I'm tuned in.
1: Well, it's all great advice. Uh, If people are interested in in learning more about museum hack um without mentioning any cuz some of the some of the wor- some of the tours have very spicy names uh, tell us a little bit we've got about 30 seconds left like what's a great tour to take
2: a great tour to take i believe in new york city los angeles chicago is we have a general museum tour mm. and that's our most popular it's what we call the museum um Uh, non-highlights tour and it's the secret things that you'll never hear about and they're in most major cities here in america find it at museumhack.com
1: that's great well you heard you heard it from the horse's mouth museumhack.com we have to take a break we'll be right back Welcome back to The Travel Show. I'm Pauline Fromer, here with my dad, Arthur Fromer, and on the line, we have Brett Snyder. He is the man behind CrankyConcierge.com. Welcome to The Travel Show, uh, Brett.
3: Yeah, thanks for having me on.
1: So uh, tell our listeners a little bit about Cranky Concierge so they know why you know what you know.
3: <laughs> sure. So we're we're an air travel assistance business, uh, and that starts with helping people book their flights. We find the best options for them, uh, whether using miles or money. We help find, you know, which airports are better to connect through, what seats to pick, all that kind of stuff. And then we monitor flights for schedule changes and help if there are any issues there. And then when it comes time to actually travel, we have uh, tools that we've built. We monitor. Uh, All the flights that are going, if there are any delays, misconnections, anything like that, we're available 24-7. We step in and and help. So kind of end-to-end air travel.
1: Do you get a lot of requests to help on business class airfares? Because that's a big question that we get uh, from tall people, from people who want a little extra luxury. I mean, how, how much more expensive is it always to do business class? And are there exceptions where sometimes it's not much more expensive at all?
3: Yeah, we so we definitely get a lot of requests about that. You know, one of our specialties is knowing a lot about the onboard products and everything that's going on. And when it comes to business class, there can be much bigger differences than you would find in coach. So we we can really add a lot of value when we're helping people with that. Uh, as far as pricing goes, it really can vary, and, and it depends. You know, and when airlines are uh, looking at some of their peak travel times in the summer, uh, to Europe, for example, or uh, other places at different times of year, what you find is that most of the demand ends up being more in coach. And so coach mm. fares may rise, but since business travel is down in the summer to Europe, for example, uh, business class fares may actually be lower.
4: Interesting. And so you
3: may find it's, it's not all that much more at some times of the year to fly business class and it's certainly worth a look.
1: And it, and it varies airline to airline. Thanks to you, I learned about the fact that Emirates Airlines is doing something very radical with its business class pricing, right?
3: Yeah, they are. They're, they've rolled out these special fares that for anyone who knows about basic economy, which I think probably most travelers are at least aware of yes, it by now. I think so. It's that idea of you get economy, but it strips out all the frills, no advanced seat assignment, no changes, all that kind of stuff. Well, Emirates is doing that effectively in business class, and they have this, this new lowest fare level, which you don't get an advanced seat assignment, you don't get lounge access, mm. things like that. On the airplane, you still get the experience, uh, but you know it'll be less, at least in some of the markets right now uh it'll be less costly than it mm. would be to have the full experience.
1: Right. And are they giving this a name? How do people know that they've opted into this new class of service?
3: They're not really branding it the same way that airlines have branded basic economy. If you see a special fare then then you'll notice that they'll they'll call it a special fare. Uh but just be careful when you're booking. You know, they'll show you the different attributes you can get. On the different uh, fare types, so just be careful to to know what's included and, and what's not when you're looking. At that.
1: Right. Um, we are speaking with Brett Snyder of the CrankyConcierge dot com, and Brett, in terms of where flights are going, we're going to be seeing some new routes in the coming months, which offers travelers a lot more options. Right.
3: Yeah, we we've seen incredible growth over the last couple of years, especially in some really unique markets, places that now have long-haul service that maybe they haven't had for years. Cities like uh, Pittsburgh and Indianapolis and Nashville and New Orleans, a lot of these places now have service to Europe nonstop, even Charleston, South Carolina. Wow. Uh, really interesting places. Uh, and then you also have the same thing going uh, from Europe to bigger cities in the U.S. You have smaller cities uh, that are getting more service. And a lot of that is because we have a new narrow body aircraft, the single aisle airplane, uh, a new generation that can really easily fly across the Atlantic and connect some of uh, these these smaller routes and that's we're going to see JetBlue entering that market. Uh,
1: so next to just year, to break is- that down because they're using a smaller airplane, they can do the route without having the responsibility for filling as many seats, right? Is that why this is happening?
3: That's for some of the East Coast markets, yes. The, the ones that are these, the smaller markets I mentioned, those are actually on bigger airplanes, but they're feeding into a big hub, usually in London or Paris or something. Uh, but the ones from the East Coast of the U.S. to smaller cities in Europe, that is going to be because of the ability to, to fill smaller airplanes. And a, a great example, so SAS uh, out of um, Scandinavia, uh, they used to, with... They're big airplanes. They used to only fly Boston to Copenhagen uh, during the summer because during the winter there just wasn't enough demand. And now with this new smaller airplane, they can fly it year-round. Uh, and, you know, that's, of course, still a, a relatively big market right, uh, compared right. to some of the other ones. But we can expect that we'll see some some new smaller destinations as well in Europe.
1: Now, when know, somebody flies sorry, f- from, like, New Orleans to Paris... Will that be cheaper for them than flying New Orleans, New York, New York, Paris, or not always?
3: Well, not necessarily. You know, a lot of these new routes are more about convenience. Mm. They know in New Orleans, the flight they have is to London, actually. Either way, it doesn't matter. But, uh, you know, for them, it's more about convenience. You can get, with a single stop, to smaller cities in europe you know maybe you want to go to naples uh and you can go Mm. through london with a single stop instead of having to go through the east coast
1: very cool very cool we have got about 30 seconds and i i know people will want to find out where they can learn all the things you're learning so what are the good urls they should go to (laughs)
3: <laughs> the URLs. Well, so I write about the airline industry at crankyflyer.com. dot com. Okay. Uh, so people can come there to see that. You know, of course, th- there's great coverage of general travel all over the place.
1: Oh, of find- course. But crankyconcierge dot com <laughs> is a great start. Thank you so much for appearing on the travel show.
3: All right. Thanks.
1: Welcome back to The Travel Show. You know, it's always exciting to go somewhere new, and we're doing that today on our show. We're going to the Marianas Islands. I'm speaking to a lovely lady named Priscilla Ayacopa. She is the managing director of the Marianas Visitors Authority, uh, and it's four in the morning there, Right.
4: Yes, absolutely. Half a day is from me. That's how we say hello in the Marianas. Well, we are so
1: thrilled and grateful that you got up in the middle of the night for you, for for us. Let me ask you: In a couple of hours, the sun will rise on the Marianas Islands. And what would a typical visitor see in the Marianas when that sun rises? Because I have a a feeling that some of our listeners may not even know where that is geographically.
4: (laughs) Yes, absolutely. Um, So, you know, we are located in the western Pacific. um, And so in a few hours, a lot of our local residents and our, our visitors will see a great, a great, sunrise. Um, It's always, you know, usually, you know, just the typical sun colors, right, with your Mm -hmm. orange and yellows, and it's just very breathtaking.
1: Coming up over a, a blue, blue sea and a white sand beach?
4: Oh, yes, absolutely. That even makes it better <laughs> so the marianas you're sunrise and there's sunsets in all areas of the island.
1: so the marianas are actually an american territory like puerto rico where so you're in the pacific um what if somebody were to fly to you what would be the nearest hub that they would fly from
4: um, well, you know the Marianas is a gateway in Southeast Asia, right? Mm-hmm. And so, um, like I mentioned during the travel show in Chicago, where we met, they would be yes, yes, um, would be from you know Japan, which would be three hours away from the Marianas, or if it was Korea, it would be four hours away. Um, so, really, the Marianas is a gateway to South uh, East Asia. Right. But we really want to share where we are located because we do exist. I, I mean, come on, a U.S. territory. Yeah, U.S. territory. Pacific, we should all be right? visiting there.
1: So, if people do want to visit, what are the main things that they come to the Marianas to do?
4: Well, you know, we have a lot of. Um, tourists that come here, whether they are here for vacation with their families you know their children or they're here to get married or they spend their honeymoon here or just a group of friends that just want to experience another tropical um, climate Um, and you know with our authentic food that we offer the cultural activities that we do have so there is a lot of things that uh, our tourists can enjoy And again, you know, like you mentioned, um, the Blue Beaches and the White sandies.
1: And you're a big um, scuba diving and snorkeling destination, correct?
4: Absolutely. We are great for uh, scuba diving, you know, and if you're not into scuba diving, you know, you could do snorkeling or you could do golf, you know. So there's a lot of things that we offer. Is it fair
1: to assume that that because you're in a fairly remote destination, does that keep your reefs fairly healthy?
4: Um, you know, we we, we we try to keep them healthy, especially um, we do have a group of what's called um, Amina. um They are the Mariana Islands um, Nature Alliance group. And so we're trying to enforce like just how our sister islands are doing it um, with Palau hmm. as far as the sunscreens and making sure that, you know, we continue to protect our reefs. And of course, you know, we don't want to, to destroy. We don't want to destroy them. Sure. Um,
1: now I know that a yeah. lot of beyond uh, the the fun in the sun and the water, a lot of people come to the Marianas to explore the World War II history there. Correct?
4: Yes. Yes, that's very true. Um, you know, back in 1944, we actually uh, just last year we celebrated um, the seventy seventy fifth year Battle of mm. Japan. Um, and so we have a lot of um, historical sites, you know, during World War II. Some p- tanks,
1: battlefields, I mean, what specifically do people see?
4: Yes, yeah, so we still have, um, you know, artilleries, we, we have um, tanks, and they are underwater and on land, and you could still um, get a tour of that. We have a submarine that, you know, for underwater, we have a submarine that, you know, gives that tour. Mm. And then in our north side of the island, we have um, uh, all the, all the um, water, you know, artilleries and tanks there as well.
1: Interesting. Fascinating. So if somebody wants to visit the Marianas Islands, where can they get more information? What's a good source for that?
4: Um, You could definitely visit our website at www.mymarianas.com, and we have great information on how to get here and also what to do in the Marianas.
1: Great. So that's mymarianas, M-A-R-I-A-N-A-S.com. Thank you so much for appearing on The Travel Show.
4: Thank you so much.
1: Listening to the Fromer Travel Show, we sp- started out this hour talking about the new Scarlet Lady, which is the new cruise ship from Virgin. But, Dad, there's other cruise news. Uh, Viking River Cruises has announced, or is it going to announce? They actually haven't announced it yet, but they're, they're, there's all these rumors swirling and it's gotten out. They are going to a new river. They're going to be going on the Mississippi. Isn't that fascinating? That
0: is something that is a, a river that has been guarded jealously by a company called the American Queen. Exactly. And yeah. They're going to have big competition. Big now competition, from and cruises. and the
1: American Queen is a, t- a typical paddleboarder. So the type of boat that that plied those waters for centuries. Uh, but this is going to be a sleek, chic. Viking cruise ship with probably wow. much better food. I mean, you've taken the American well, I, no, Queen. No, no, the right? food was pretty
0: good. The food I, I, was pretty good. No problem with the food aboard the American Queen. Well, I, I know was, you. I was uh, uh, badly affected by the s- uh, statements that were made. That looked like they were pro-Confederacy, huh. Pauline. and I. I didn't like the politics of some of the Riverlorians, as they were called, the historians who do, delivered uh, speeches to right. the crowds aboard the R- American Queen. But the Viking queen, of course, won't suffer from that.
1: Right. I wouldn't think so. Uh, but it's going to be very interesting uh, to see how Viking remakes that that river because they, there's been no competition there. In other news, not having to do with boats, Air New Zealand is announcing that it's looking into creating some lie-flat seats in economy class. <laughs> Wouldn't that be amazing? Isn't that amazing? So there would be six... More
0: power too. Yeah, them.
1: there would be six per voyage. They would cost more than a typical economy class ticket, but far less than you'd spend to go into business class or first class because you're not going to get drinks. You're not going to get, you know, elaborate meals. You're not going to have a non-plastic s- silverware, probably. Uh, but... This could really change
0: because that's a heck of a long flight. And Pauline, from, that's for from Air New Zealand. Air
1: New Zealand, it's all still in the planning stages. As is Viking River Cruises, uh, announcing that they're about to go onto the Mississippi. But for for travelers who want more options and maybe a little more comfort uh, in these two types of travel, I think it's very interesting. Um, and very interesting news. We'll, we'll see what comes of it. Um, you can read about these things. And I know dad has written uh, about many op- other things on Fromers.com. I want to end this show by, by reminding you that we're not just on radio. We, we hope you'll buy our books. We hope you'll visit us on our website, which we spend a heck of a lot of time working on, and we're very proud of it. It's called Fromers.com, and follow us on social media. I'm looking at the clock. We have to say goodbye for we, this week. We, we thank you so much for and listening. We
0: wish you a hearty bon voyage.